0: Good morning.
1: Happy Fourth of July.
0: I love these things. Who likes these things? Chris, how was your vacation? Good. All right. Um, who is taking tomorrow off? Who took? Um, who took uh, Friday off? And it's making this like a four-day weekend. Not that loud. Those people aren't here today. Um, See, I used to love long weekends when I was growing up. I loved, like, missing a bunch of days of school. I loved holidays. And you guys are like, you used to? And I'm like, yeah, I used to. And I know what some of you are thinking. I know why, Mark. It's because you're stuck preaching on the holidays and the long weekends. No, that's not the reason why. It actually all started when my son Caleb was born. Yeah, you got to blame it on somebody, right? And and here's the thing. Caleb's a great kid, happy kid, you know, healthy kid. But every single holiday and every single long weekend, this kid gets sick. And not just like sick. I mean like E-R sick. You know where I spent the last two New Years? Let me show you a picture. In the emergency room with him. And, and, and you're, Mark, how could you complain? Here's the thing. It's nothing big. It's like a little diarrhea, you know, or like he vomits or he has like a rash or something. That's what happened last 4th of July. He got a rash, the kid. And, and you're thinking like, so Mark, why'd you take him to the ER? Here's the thing. Pediatricians on holidays and long weekends, they're hanging out in their yachts or they're hanging out in their condo in South Beach with their 21-year-old girlfriend. At least that's what my pediatrician does. Uh, and, uh, and the reason why I'm telling you this story is this. it's My wife is a nurse. Not only is she a nurse, she's a pediatric nurse. Not only is she a pediatric nurse, but she was like the manager of pediatrics at a local hospital for a bunch of years. So she's friends with our doctor. I've been there when the doctor said, why did you take the kid to the ER? You should have just called me. You have my cell phone. She has permission to call him, yet she refuses to call him up. She tells me, Mark, I just don't want to be that person. You know, I don't want to be that person that, you know, and we all do this. They call us on our cell phone. We see the caller right there. And we're like, "Ugh, oh, it's him again. It's her again. I just don't want to be that person. And here's the thing. We all do things like that. We need something. And one of our friends has it. But we decide to either go without it or to go and get our own. Or maybe for you, it's... it's um, you need something, and you know somebody that has it, and, like, if it was somebody else, you'd probably ask. But, like, every time you ask this person for anything, you have to listen to this, like, super long speech as to, like, you know. And, and I'm, I'm speaking out of experience. Um, my grandfather, is, he's not here today, is he? No, right? No. <laughs> if he was, I would change the story. He's a great, no, he is a great person. But here's the thing. He has every single tool that Sears ever made. Right. Every, even if he doesn't need it, he has it. If you walk into his garage, it's like a, it's like tool time, you know. And he has all these things. And when I was growing up, I was broke, and um, I did tried to do all the mechanical work to my car, change the oil, change the spark plugs, like do all this crazy stuff. I probably shouldn't have been doing, but I didn't have any tools.
1: Because if I could
0: afford tools, I could afford a mechanic to change my oil. And so I would go to my grandfather's house, but I would make sure he wasn't there. I would call my grandma, Hi, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. How's how's the abuelo doing? Oh, he's good. He's, you know, running some errands. I'm like, perfect. I'll be there in two minutes. And so I would get there and I would start working. I would start working on, um, the, my car. And, and here's the thing, cause I would ask him like, Hey, can I borrow this? And then I would have to listen, like, you know, make sure you don't break it. If you break it, you got to buy me a new one. Put everything back the way it was. And, um, you know, why don't you just get your own tools? He's like, look, you see this tool? I engraved my name. He engraves his name into all of his tools. Okay? And I'm like, dude, it's just a screwdriver. All right? And, and, and here's the thing. At one point or another in our life, this has happened to us. We've needed something and we've gone without it because we're scared to ask or we don't know how to ask for it. Maybe this is your story something breaks in your house, you get like this huge flood or something gets clogged and and you got to go to Home Depot and spend all this money getting all these tools to fix your problem in your house. And then one of your buddies is like, Hey man, so how are things going? He's like, Oh man, don't even ask. Things are horrible. You know, my house got messed up. I have all this flood and I had to go buy all these tools. And he's like, man, I have a garage full of tools. Why didn't you ask me for it? Or ladies, maybe one day you got dressed really nice to go to work, and you did your hair, and you're wearing the new blouse you got on Saturday. And on your way to work, your car breaks down, and you get a flat tire. And then you got to call AAA or a tow truck, and you spend all this money, and you get to work late. And now you're all dirty and sweaty, and you get to work, and your friends are like, Why didn't you call me? Boa! You know? Why didn't you call me? And, and, um, and you're like, Ah, oh, you know, whatever. We, we would have gone and helped you. And you know what? We do things like this all of the time. And God has an answer to all of our needs. And many times in our lives, we're going without things or we're living life and we're sad and we're depressed and we don't understand why things are happening. And the problem is that we don't understand how capable and how amazing our God is. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're in this series called Rethink where well, we're taking an in-depth look at the book of Ephesians. And today, we're going to take a look at a letter that Paul's writing. And he's writing to the people of Ephesus. And he's telling them, I pray for you guys all of the time. And I pray this specific prayer. And not only did Paul pray that prayer for the church of Ephesus, that prayer is a prayer that he prayed for you and for me. Yeah, it was 2000, about 2,000 years ago. But that prayer is a prayer for every Christian that's ever lived and every Christian that's living and every Christian that will ever live. And if you pull out your outline and begin reading with me, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 goes like this. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give thanks. and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Here the Apostle Paul is praying and asking God to help these Christians, to help all of the Christians realize how amazing and how great our God is. And I love the way this modern translation reads this example. Part of this passage says, I pray that you will have greater understanding in your heart so you will know the hope which has called us and that you will know how rich and glorious are the blessings God has promised His holy people. Verse 19, underline this part. And you will know that God's power is very great for us who believe. That power is the same great strength God used to raise Christ from the dead and put Him at His right side in heavenly places. Hey, why is, why is Paul praying this prayer? Why is Paul asking God to give the people of Ephesus understanding? Why is God asking them to open their eyes? Are they walking around with blindfolds? And here's the thing. The city of Ephesus was a very pagan city. They worshipped a lot of crazy things. It was a port city, a lot like Miami. So there was a lot of traffic, a lot of people coming in and out, people staying, bringing their doctrines, bringing their gods, bringing all of their beliefs into this this city. It's actually a beautiful city. I I visited the ruins of Ephesus about three years ago. And it is an amazing city to this day. Marble roads. Beautiful temples and this amazing library. I mean, it's a humongous structure. This city was so pagan that their main religion, the main thing that they worshipped, was the goddess, the great Diana. And who's who's that? Diana. Diana was this god who the priests, that worked at the temple, female priests, one of their main practices was prostitution. That's how they raised money for the temple. That's how they worshipped. I mean, it was crazy. And so Christianity comes in. Actually, Paul preached in Ephesus for many years. The one place where Paul spent the most time was in Ephesus. And now he's in a Roman cell writing this letter to his old church. And he's saying, I'm praying That God would take the blindfolds off of you. And why did they have blindfolds? It's because all these false doctrines were becoming intertwined with the truth. Were becoming intertwined with God's word. And see, I I read that and, and I study this and I'm like, man, that's what's going on now. In our culture, in our day and age, the world coming in to the church. Practices of man being now becoming somewhat doctrine. And I look at this and I'm like, this prayer is for us. This prayer is for you and for me today. And Paul's looking at this and he's like, man, you guys got to wake up. I love the way John says it in 1 John 2. says, I've written to warn you about those who are trying to deceive you. But they're no match for what is embedded deeply within you. Christ anointing, no less. You don't need any of their so-called teachings. Christ anointing teaches you the truth. On everything you need to know about yourself and Him. Uncontaminated by a single lie. Live deeply in what you were taught. I mean, that's amazing. That's what, that's what God's telling you today. Forget about all that other stuff. And focus on God. And see, Paul is looking at the church of Ephesus. He's reading letters too. And he is hearing that the Christians of that time do not understand how great an awesome God is. The Christians in that time are walking around like a lot of Christians today, defeated, with their heads down, wondering, oh man, my life sucks. Why is this happening to me? This always happens to me. Why doesn't God listen to me? Why is this going around? And and I look at a lot of Christians today, you know what they remind me of? They remind me of this guy. They remind me of Eeyore. Check this out. If you really look at Eeyore's life, he's got Winnie the Pooh. With all this honey to sweeten up his life. He's got Tigger that's always jumping around. He's always happy. Yet he chooses to what? To be all by himself. Oh, man. And be complaining. And be sad. And be depressed. And you know what? As children of God, that is not what we were designed for. God has given us so many blessings that so many times we don't enjoy his blessings because we don't believe. Ephesians 1, 19 says this. You know... That God's power is very great for us who believe. That power is the same as the great strength God used to raise Christ from the dead. The very same power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that God gives to all of us. If we believe, that's all that you have to do if you believe that power is yours today. You don't need to jump through hoops. You don't need to do any type of rituals. You don't need to live a life that's defeated. You have to just believe Romans 8 says this in everything. We have won more than a victory because of Christ who loves us. And a filling in your outline is this. What is a victory? I googled it and on dictionary.com it said this. A success or triumph over any enemy in battle or war. A success or a superior position achieved against any opponent, opposition, difficulty, etc. That's what a victory is, and God is saying, "I have give you have won more than the victory. You what you got is bigger than the victory." And I don't know about you, but that sounds good to me. That makes me want to throw some more of these. That makes me excited that what God has given me is more than the victory. And you guys are probably thinking, "Mark, you know what? I believe. I believe." How many of you believe? Say, "I believe." We believe. Yet we ask this question, how come God doesn't answer my prayers? Why does it seem sometimes that I pray and pray and pray and it's like I'm praying and I'm like, you know, people are going to think I'm crazy. I'm like talking to myself all the time. Nothing happens. Why is that? Why do I, I don't know about you, but I've asked that question. Why isn't God listening to me? Why isn't God answering my prayers? And the first reason To fill in your outline is because you're asking with the wrong motives. James four three says this when you pray for things, you don't get them because you want them for the wrong reasons, for your own pleasure. If we were to stop and think right now, every time we felt like, Man, why didn't God answer? And we would think a lot of times, it's because what we want is for us. It's for me. It's for my pleasure. It's for my enjoyment. It's to satisfy my urge and my need, un antojo, is something that we want, that we think we can't live without. You see, when I was growing up, I wanted a pair of Air Jordans. And, man, I prayed every single day for Air Jordans. I wanted Air Jordans. I see my friends with Air Jordans. I'm like, God, I just want a pair of Jordans. Air- I'm a good kid, you know. I-, I don't do anything bad. Just God, just give me. I'm here, like, negotiating with God. I want a pair of Air Jordans. And you know what? I never got Air Jordans. And if I stop and think about it, you know why I wanted Air Jordans? It's not cause I wanted to like, you know, run and like feed the poor or anything like that or like become like, you know, some famous basketball player so I could start my own foundation, you know, Mark's children or something. No. It's cause I wanted to walk around school with my laces undone, with half of my pants stuck in my shoe, walking around so everybody could be like, man, look at Mark. He has $200 shoes. I mean, he must be rich. He's so cool. That's why I wanted him. It was for me. It was for my selfish desires, for my own pleasure. See, I think a lot of Christians, especially in this country that we live in, they say, or a lot of people that call themselves Christians, they say they worship God, but the God that they really worship or the God that they wish they had was somebody like this. This is what they want. They want Santa Claus. They want to write down this list of stuff, like, oh, I want this, I want that, I want this bike, you know, I want this, you know, jack-in-the-box, I, I want this car. God, I just want, you know, this girl, I want this promotion, I want this. And it's like, all right, God, I'm putting it in your hands, you know? Or maybe you guys like this God right here. You know, you want a genie. You want a little bottle, or a little lamp, and be like, oh, man, you know, God, you know, whoo! And, and for a lot of people, that's, that's who their God is. You know, another reason why... God doesn't answer prayer sometimes. It's because He knows what's best for you. God knows what's best for you. See, if God were to answer every single prayer that you've prayed, some of you in this room would probably be dead right now. And I'll give you an example. Um, You guys saw a picture of my son Caleb. Um, Let me tell you something. I live in Miami Lakes here in town in a house with a lake. Miami Lakes, house on a lake, right? And uh, this kid's super hyper, man. Since he was like like six months started crawling eight months running he never he skipped walking and then he started climbing and we're thinking this kid one day is going to open the door and jump in the lake and drown we don't want that so we start asking all our friends hey do you know a a swimming instructor do you know a swimming instructor and finally we found one and let me tell you taking this kid to swimming lessons was one of the hardest things i've done as a father I, i don't have that much experience just three years one of the toughest things and here's the reason why Okay, we're going to do this now. <laughs> okay, pull, pull, no pull. <laughs> hey, stop pulling. Pull the mono. One, two, three, go. Now pull, pull the mano. Head down. Let me tell you something. It was so hard. Not only did he cry, but he would go like, "Papi, please!" And you know, this wasn't just like a thirty-second clip. This was one hour for five days straight. One hour for two weeks. Two years in a row. Five days, two weeks for an hour. And one of those one of those days, I brought my mom with me because my wife was working, and so I'm like, "Mom, I need some support." And She's like, all right. She comes with me, and, and he cried like that for an hour. We actually had to leave the pool area. And then when we got in the car, my mom's here today. Sorry, Mom. And uh, she looks at me, and she goes, we never did that with you. <laughs> and I'm like, you're, yeah, I guess. She's like, and look at you. You're here. Right? And I'm like, yeah. And then she's like, that's child abuse. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I, I really didn't have an answer for her. You know because it was hard for me man it broke my heart you don't know how many times i just wanted to just grab him take him out of the pool and say listen there's got to be another way he'll learn when he's 10 or something but i have another story for you um you saw a little baby that was on the swing he's turning two next month so um this year we took him to swimming lessons and he did great i mean i was there with my camera my wife was there we're clapping he's swimming and he's not crying and the teacher's like oh he's so much better than his brother and and he's here swimming, and while he's here swimming, Caleb is running around the pool, climbing on stuff, throwing stuff, and, and we're like, all like come on, Josh, great job. You know you're so good. And all of a sudden we look and Caleb is in the six feet part of the pool, in the water, swimming towards the edge of the pool, with his shoes on, with shorts on, with a shirt on, and he's swimming and we're like we froze, we're like, Oh Caleb. No floaty, no nothing. And we didn't even hear him when he fell in the pool. And so I look back now and I think, it was worth it. It was worth all those hours of crying. I mean, look at him now, look at him. This was a couple of weeks ago, in the pool, in swimming yeah. lessons. Listen to the frog, puppy. He's super happy. Hit your feet. <laughs> hit one, two, one, two. Dig, 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 dig. Come down here. And I know, when you guys heard that kid crying, you're like, you're horrible, you're a terrible dad, your mom's right, you're a child abuser. And you know what? After hearing my story, you're like, you know what? That was the right thing. That was the right thing. He had to go through that tough time in his life so that when he fell in the pool, head first, six feet deep, he would be able to swim out. And you know what? God knows what's best for you. And sometimes he doesn't answer your prayers because if he were to answer your prayers, you wouldn't be ready for it sometimes. And God knows what's best for For you, I love this verse in Luke 11. It says, Which of you, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you? Amen. Third reason why? Because your prayers go against Scripture. There are times when God doesn't answer your prayers because what you're asking for goes against his very word. There was a time I was in a small group, and I'm asking for prayer requests. And it was actually like a real like intimate. It was like me, my wife, and a few other people. And my wife's holding my hands. We're getting ready to pray. I'm going around this circle, and I'm asking for prayer requests. And, oh, school, work, this and that. I get to one person. It's like, oh, I'm struggling with sex. And I'm like, okay, well, pray for God to give you strength. And then the same person's like, look, I'm, I'm dating this guy, and he's not a Christian, and and we're, we're struggling, you know, because I'm trying not to do it, and he wants it, and all this stuff, and can you just pray for God to show me his will? And I looked at her, and I said no. And at that moment, I got like the clinch of death from my wife. <laughs> She's like squeezing my hand, and and I said no. And then all these younger Uh, All these other girls are looking at me like, he's crazy. He's not really a pastor. And I'm like, and and she's like, why? And I'm like, you know why? Because what you're asking God for, he already answered in his word. He said, do not commit sexual immorality. He also said, do not be unequally yoked. Do not be with someone who's not a Christian. And so what I can do for you is I can lend you my cell phone. I can hold your hand and you can call him and dump him. And she freaked out. Everybody freaked out. But you know what? Sometimes we're asking God, show me your will, and his will is in the Bible. His will is in Scripture, and yet we're asking God to go against his word. Are those the type of friends that we want to have, friends that we can't trust? Friends that go against their word? So how do we expect the God that we worship to not be someone that sticks to his word? First John 5, 14 says this. This is the confidence We have when approaching God. That if we ask anything, anything, according to His will, He hears us. Fourth reason why. Because you're living in disobedience to God. God does not answer your prayers, and you're wondering why, and you're mad at God, and it's because you're living in disobedience. You're not obeying God. I have people come up to me all the time saying, Hey Mark, can you marry us? I actually married one of the guys from our worship team last um, Sunday, I love doing weddings, right? And I have people come up to me for wedding and I, wedding, um, to marry them. And I'm like, cool. I'm like, let's do premarital. And so I get together with them when we get to premarital, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'm like, um, so, so where do you live? And like, oh no, we live together. I'm like, okay. Um, why? And then they're like, oh no, cause financial reasons, you know, God understands. It's not what we really want to do, but it's what we were forced to do. And I'm all this stuff, and I'm like, well, why don't you guys just go to the courthouse and get married and stop living in sin and obey God? And, you know, all this can, can be great. Or you guys can move out and we could continue with this process for you to get married through the church. And they're like, no, Mark, you don't understand. We want God's blessing on our marriage. We want you to marry us, and we know that if you marry us, we'll have God's blessing. And I'm like, listen. Do you think that if I show up to your wedding and I go, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and sprinkle some stuff on you, that God's going to bless you? Absolutely not. You know what God blesses? God blesses obedience. God's going to bless you because throughout your courtship and the time that you were dating, you took steps that honored God. I'm not a genie. I'm not a magician. I'm not going to show up to your wedding dressed in a suit that I wear only like three or four times a year and be like, okay, you may not kiss the bride. I throw one up for you. And now it's done. No, absolutely not. God blesses obedience. And yeah, there's hope for them. They can choose from that moment on to obey God, to move out, to ask forgiveness. God will forgive you. We go through with the wedding and I believe that God will bless the decision that they made. I had somebody ask me for prayer not too long ago. Hey, my marriage is falling apart. I'm like, dude, God loves marriages. I'm going to pray that God helps you in your marriage. I'm like, but you need to start going to church. You need to start doing what God says that you need to do. And God will begin to bless you. We can't expect God to bless us if we choose to live a life that's in disobedience. John 9 says this, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. But He is ready to hear those who worship Him and do His will. God is ready. God is dying to hear you and answer your prayers. But you got to worship Him. And you got to do His will. And you're probably asking, so Mark, how do I pray? What do I got to do? What do I got to do for God to hear me? How do I pray? The disciples asked Jesus that very question. In Luke 11. And it's up on the screen, and I want us to pray it together. Let's pray it together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is how we pray. We trust God. We have faith in God, and we say, God, not my will be done, but your will be done on earth As it is in heaven. See, God knows what's best for you. About two years ago, I started praying more than I've ever prayed in my life. My father got like really sick and I prayed every day, God heal him. I made promises to God that I've never made in my life. And I'm like, God, just heal him. Just heal him. Just heal him. Just heal him. And you know what? God answered my prayer. And God healed him. And on uh, February 15th, 2009... My father passed away. And immediately, when he saw Jesus face to face, God answered my prayer. And God healed him. It's not my will, but it was his will. One of the hardest times of my life. Yet, it's what he had been working for his whole life. It's what my father wanted more than anything in the world. More than wanting to be with me was to see God face to face. And in that moment, every pain, every circumstance that he went through was erased. And see, it takes faith. It takes trust. We serve an amazing God that is ready to hear all of our prayers. That is ready to hear all of our requests. But we need to trust Him. We need to pray like He taught us to pray. And not that prayer exactly, but we need to know that His will will be done and that He knows what's best for all of us. Maybe here today, you have problems with your kids. You have problems in your marriage. you got problems at work. you got financial problems. You have health issues. Maybe some of you here today are sick or have someone in your family that's sick. You feel lost. You feel tired. You have no idea how you're going to make ends meet this month. Maybe you got some secret sin that nobody knows about. A drug addiction, an alcohol addiction. You're cheating on your husband or your wife. You're hanging on by a thread and you have no idea what you're going to do next. You see no way out of it. And that same prayer that Paul prayed without ceasing, that means he never stopped praying that prayer. He prayed that prayer continually. I pray for you today that you would open your eyes and realize that God is on your side. That if you believe in Jesus, everything is going to be okay. And you know what? I saved the best for last in the message, the last verse that we're going to read today. And if you pull out these cards with my foot on it, no, it's not my foot. Um, if you pull out this card, it says Ephesians 1, 22. And I want to read that to you today, starting in verse 19. It's a part of the Bible we've been reading our entire time together today. And it says this, and you will know that God's power is very great for us who believe. That power is the same. The great strength God used to raise Christ from the dead and put Him at His right side in the heavenly world. God put Christ far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And He put, and this is verse 22, and He put all things under His feet And gave him to be the head over all things for the church, for you, which is his body. The church is filled with Christ. And Christ fills everything in every way. You know what that means? Ephesians 1.22. That everything is subjected to Jesus. That nothing is greater than Christ. I love the part that says that every name that is named, not just right now, but in the age that is to come is subject to Jesus, is beneath Jesus. And that power which raised Him from the dead is yours today. If you believe, whatever circumstance you're in, can't stand a chance against Christ. Whatever thing you're going through has no, can't, can't take it. I mean, Christ is so much bigger and amazing and great when it comes to what you're going through. See, when I say what you're going through, a lot of you are already thinking about it. You know what it is. It has a name. And that's why I put all these lines on the back of this card. Because I want you to take some time and write those names down. It's a situation. It's a financial thing. It's a kid. It's your husband. It's your wife. I gave a bunch of lines. Some of you got to describe what it is that you're going through. And the reason that there's a footprint there, it's just like imagery. Whatever that is, it's under Christ. It's beneath Christ. The power of Christ crushes that thing. It can't stand a chance against Jesus. I'm going to ask George to come out here. We're going to sing a song. It's called, How Great is Our God. And we're going to do what John 9.31 says. But he is ready to hear those who worship him. And we're going to worship God. We're going to take some time and write down these things, whatever it is. That all of us in this room should, should be like pen at hand with this paper here and say, you know what? Some of you just got to write me. It's you. It's your pride. It's your anger. Whatever it is, just write it down and say, Jesus, I surrender that to you today. I offer that up to you today. I put that under your feet today. We prayed our God, which art in heaven. And um I guess heaven is somewhere else and not here. And sometimes these things, they got us in over our heads at times. And so if you wrote stuff down just as an act of faith, I just want you to raise these cards up. Let's pray together. Dear God, I come before you right now, and I thank you for your name. Thank you for the name of Jesus. Name above all names. Name above any problem. Name above any situation. Name above any person, any power, any principality. The name of Jesus. And we come before you in the name of Jesus. And we give these things to you, God. We believe in you, God. We believe that the power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that we have as your children to live in victory even when we don't understand the situation that we're in. We believe. We have faith. And we know that you have our best interest at hand. And so God, here's our list. Here are the things that we're putting under the feet of Jesus. Because every name that has ever been given here on earth can't stand a chance against the name of our Savior, Jesus. God, help us remember this moment. God, that maybe we would look back at this list weeks from now, years from now, and say, man, that list is under Jesus. Those things have been destroyed. I am a new person. On Independence Day, I was independent from sin, from this situation. I gave Christ complete authority over my life and the things that are happening in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Say that with me. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.